Do you want to have impact and purpose without disrupting your life or leaving your day job? Podcasting may be the perfect fit for you, your experience, and your voice. Sign up for my upcoming free course where you will learn how to start podcasting using your unique voice, create a platform in four weeks, get access to resources, and more. Go to www.disruptingbalance.com slash podu. That's P-O-D-U to sign up now. And I think if anything, COVID has taught me that there is an underlying story to every child and every student. And so you never know what's going on with them. So making sure that I always show that respect, that care for them, giving them that extra encouragement. So even if I have a student that's not doing any work, which I do, I'm not going to send them a text message. You know, you're going to fail. You're going to fail. You're going to fail. You know, there's a way to come at that and be able to respect them as individual beings. So honestly, just coming from a place where I'm not trying to be their teacher sometimes, but just trying to be that listening ear if if they need because they're going through a lot. You're listening to Disrupting Balance, the podcast, where we are busting myths and breaking balance. Here's stories from women who are pushing boundaries to navigate the decisions and changes that come with work, womanhood, and winning. I'm your host, Hanifa Barnes, speaker, decision strategist, and master imbalancepreneur. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Hope you enjoy. On today's episode, we have Caressa Walker. Caressa is a perfectly imperfect woman. The wife and mother to one son is on a mission to help women live abundantly through their imperfections. Caressa's own life was imperfect through a lens of her parents' 27-year marriage, where she watched her mother give up her power and give of herself without reciprocity. And Caressa knew that that would not be her life. In the same month of her parents' devastating divorce, she gave birth to a baby boy who would save her and cover her in a new purpose. Caressa stands boldly and authentically in all the spaces of her life, as wife, mother, educator, Christian, and daughter. You can learn more about Caressa and the Imperfect Woman on her blog at www.imperfectcaressa.com. She's also on Instagram at caressa.walker and Twitter at walkercaressa. And Caressa is spelled C-A-R-E-S-S-A. For more information, check the show notes. So welcome to today's show. We have Caressa Walker in our guest chair. How are you doing today, Caressa? I'm blessed. That is good. Good to hear. So we're going to jump right in and start with the first question, and that is, what is your story? I just feel like my story is about a woman who has always felt that she was misunderstood and people always were kind of unclear about who she was, but a person who generally cares for people and wants to see everybody um, be able to reach the best version of themselves. With that being said, also being able to be able to reflect on the negative things about yourself and being willing to change them. So that's my story, just trying to help people to get on that process of being their best versions of themselves. Also, while I'm doing the same thing. (laughs) So you talk about 
feeling like you're misunderstood. Tell us a little bit about that. What is the context of Caressa feeling misunderstood? Growing up, I was never a person who attracted friends very often. But when you were to meet me, we would make I would make friends with people. But I tend to be a very reflective person and a person who's very deep in their thinking. If you watch my stories on Instagram or anything like that, I typically think of things in a very you know, thought process as to the whole picture instead of it just being like what I want to feel at this moment. So I think that's also led to me being misunderstood because it sometimes those things that I'm saying aren't popular opinions, but they are things that I do feel like will help people to be able to purge the negative things in their life to be able to get the best out of their life. From my experience, I find that people who help in this particular area are also people who've experienced some of some similar things as well. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about your background and the impact of your parents' relationship on your life. So my parents dated for three months before being married. Then, you know, they had me, but then I had I had came in about a year into their marriage. Um, my parents were married for a total of 27 years. And in that process, there were just things that I saw that I knew I didn't want to repeat in my marriage. And there were also things that I saw that I felt like were going to be that were unhealthy for my mother to go through. And so with me being married now, um, four years in, with my husband, there were just certain things that I did differently. So um, a big thing for me was making sure that however I felt at the time, regardless of how he may feel, that I was very transparent and open with him about him. So um, watching my mother and loving her so, so dearly, but watching her not to be as vocal as she should have been with certain situations, I went into my marriage bare opposite <laughs> of making sure that even if he didn't care or didn't like what I was going to say, that I was still being authentically caressed mm. And did you ever have any reservation about committed relationships or marriage before all of this? Honestly, I didn't. And I think the reason why is because I always knew that God had better for me. I think a lot of times we look at people's situations and say, oh, I don't want that because that's the only picture of marriage that you may have. But I always know that what you see is a direct reflection of what those two people allow. And so I went into mind knowing that I wasn't going to allow those things and trusting my husband and also God to say, like, he wasn't going to allow those things as well because my husband was very clear as to how I felt before being married. But yeah, it's typically people take their experiences and they make them a reality for them when it doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. So let's go then to the time we talked about where your son saved you. You're a mother of one beautiful baby boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I know he's an important part of your life. So let's talk about the time right before and then having him and that shift that occurred for you in your life as a result. Okay. So I was um, pursuing a bachelor's of science in nursing in 2018. And I was one year in and had one year remaining when I found out that I was pregnant in January of 2019. And so that time was just not the best at all. Um, I've Initially, I was not the most happy. I was, you know, like, why is this happening? And so, like I said, I was grinding really, really hard in schooling. I was doing really well in nursing school. And, you know, me and my husband were living our best lives, you know, in terms of not having any big responsibility beside ourselves. And in that process, when January actually occurred, that's when my parents started going through their situation with the thought process of divorce, even though they did not divorce until September, which is the same month I had my son of last year. And so watching that and then having him 
there were my mom was trying to heal from that that divorce of 27 years loving someone and you know devoting your whole life to somebody and then having a switch of that person no longer being around no longer you know being a safe place and having to find some way to put that energy somewhere else and so my son did that for my mother i always say that my son saved her as well because it allowed her to have something to focus on and he saved me because we were supposed to have him at the end of September. He came a little early, but not early enough for me to continue with nursing school for that semester. So I had no choice but to actually withdraw for that semester. But being at home with him for 12 months and then having the coronavirus happen, um, corona was definitely a big eye opener for me in terms of realizing that I didn't want to be a nurse. I didn't want to personally have to risk my life at work in, you know, for health reasons and then bringing that home to my child and also being a teacher now and have been a teacher for five years. I loved that flexibility of summer, and I was thankful for that as a child, too, because my my mother was a teacher, and I didn't want to give that up for my son. (laughs) So I love being a mother. I love spending time with my son, and I didn't want to give up any time. (laughs) So I decided to um, not return and continue with my teaching as I am now. So I'm curious, and let's just say, Caressa, before your son, Let's just say things played out and you were Caressa and you had your son at another point in your life. Mm-hmm. What would have been different? I think that the process for my mom in terms of her divorce would have been a lot more difficult. And it's funny because when my son was born, my mom was in the room and she looks he looks like her. And for me, I would have been in a position where I would have continued with nursing school and I wouldn't have been happy. Because me and my husband had planned to have a baby this year initially when you know I was in nursing school and Kai popped up randomly, but I would have been in a profession where I wasn't happy because I know that once I would have had my son, the time constraint with nursing in terms of kind of the 12 hour shifts and the reality of having to do differentials, I wasn't going to be happy while being a mother. So mm-hmm. I'm so thankful that God allowed it to happen prematurely in my thought process, not mm-hmm. his, to save me from myself. We all need that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you talk about being a teacher. And, you know, I hold teachers near and dear to my heart. I'm a former teacher as well. And I remember just the challenge of being a teacher and a mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh. So please tell me about that experience and that role and how you manage all of that, because those children that you teach are always with you, even when you come home to be with your child. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. So I currently teach seniors. So um, I call them my babies. My babies are 17, 18 years old. So they're a little bit on the growner side, but it is a very difficult balance. And I think you can talk to any teacher and, and they would say it's a difficult balance. But the thing that's always given me peace was my mother in terms of what she's taught me in her 13 years of being an educator. I mean, that was to never take work home. And what she meant by that was if grading didn't get done at you know work, leave it there. If calls didn't get done, leave it there. Um, Because with a healthy life and work balance, you're going to do better for your students that way. But if you're constantly bringing home that work, you don't have a balance that's going to help you to be able to take this time that you need to reflect and take the time that you need for your own self-care. I can only be the best Miss Worthy, Mrs. Worthy, Mrs. Walker for my students if I'm the best Caressa. And I can't do that if I'm always pulling things in from work and doing it um, and taking it home. So my students know for me specifically, I tell them, email me, 
text me on remind if you need me. And once I get back, I will 100%, you know, meet up with you, whatever we have to do to get it done. But um, I need you guys, just like I respect your weekend time, respect mine as well. And I think they, they a lot of times connect with that because they know that I respect their time as well, too. So how do you maintain that with COVID? I mean, what is the structure of your school now? Are you at home 100% or a hybrid process? And so either way, how are you maintaining keeping work at work if you happen to be working at home as well? Okay. And I'm actually not now. (laughs) We're actually at the school by ourselves with no kids in the classroom right now. Um, But even when I was home for the first few weeks of school, literally same thing. I would hop on my, and I think this made a difference too. I would hop on Zoom every class period for the first 30 minutes. And so that gave them time to see me physically. That gave them time to answer questions. That gave us time to formulate a relationship for those first 30 minutes of class. And obviously, you know, if they needed me longer than that, I would stay on then. But they knew after that 40 time, no. Like if I need Mrs. Walker, text her or email her. (laughs) That's good. So being in the, you're actually on site at the school, mm-hmm. right? With your, with your other colleagues. So do you find that that has kind of shifted your perspective on the field at all? Is there anything like once we pass this point that you think you would want to do differently in your life or in your role as a teacher? I think I'm just being more understanding. I think also being a mother has changed my thought process a little bit, but I think being back at work and things like that is just making me realize that, okay, I've got to give my kids some grace. And I think sometimes as teachers, we go a little bit too hard for, you know, what we want our students to do, but we've got to realize that they're people. And I think if anything, COVID has taught me that there is an underlying story to every child and every student. And so you never know what's going on with them. So making sure that I always show that respect, that care for them giving them that extra encouragement. So even if I have a student that's not doing any work, which I do, (laughs) I have a good number of those kids. I'm not going to send them a text message. You know, you're going to fail. You're going to fail. You're going to fail. You know, there's a way to come at that and be able to respect them as individual beings. So honestly, just coming from a place where I'm not trying to be their teacher sometimes, but just trying to be that listening ear if if they need it, because they're going through a lot. So let's switch gears a little bit. When we talked previously, you Mm -hmm. talked about your husband positively and you lifted him up. And I'm curious to know about how your husband has helped you through your own process of healing, of getting through your day-to-day, of being the other parent in the house. What is that dynamic like for the two of you and how do you make it work? I will say my husband is literally my saving grace. I love him and he's been such a blessing to me. We met really young. We've been through you know, some stuff, but it's been something that we have both been able to see each other grow in ways that, you know, some people don't get to see. And so for me specifically, I know me and my husband, we work as a team. It's not, oh, well, this is a specific gender role that you need to play and and so on. So if I need him to drop off Kai, he does it. If I need him to watch Kai, it's not a problem. I don't have to technically ask for him to do those things. And it's sad because we have this culture of, you know, women take care of the kid all the time and the man just does whatever, which is naturally kind of how it works. But my husband 100% plays an equal role in getting Kai, you know, being Kai's father. I don't have to ask him to do those things. He does those things automatically. And so I'm thankful for that because I think him growing up without a father has also helped him to be 100% reflective in how he wanted to parent our son and being very much active whenever he wanted to be. And 
it's funny because we had a situation where my son is in swimming classes and the first swimming class, he wasn't going to be there. And he was very upset about it. And he was like, well, you need to change the the date <laughs> of the swimming lesson. I want to be there. But there was no other dates. So he kind of took the L on that. But how he was so upset about it, you know what I'm saying, was really like a big eye opener because to him, being around for everything is very important. And how does your mom feel about that? You know, because yes. I'm sure she watches this dance mm-hmm. that she once had mm-hmm. and her dance was a little different. So how does she feel about it? What does she say to you about that? I think her dance was a lot different, not even a little bit, to be 100% honest with you. Um, I think for her, it's healing. She talks to me all the time and even my grandmother as well. And I can see that they are thankful for the way that my husband treats me. They're thankful for the fact that he wants to be included and that he cares enough to ask me about things. And for some of their relationships, they didn't have that. Um, My father was not that way with my mother. And so um, she tells me all the time, you know, even we're going through our tit for tats, like he's human, you guys are going to get through this. And she's never once told me, okay, well, this is the situation where I would suggest you take your stuff and leave. Like Mm -hmm. he's always 100% been a Mm -hmm. supportive person because she knows what the other side looks like. Mm -hmm. So when I come to her with our problems, she's like, yeah, mm -hmm. go to a counselor, seek Jesus. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She has 100% my watching her, watching my relationship with my husband has healed her of what relationships can look like if done correctly. That that's powerful. It is. I mean, when you think about the dynamic of mother and daughter and all of the complexities around that and to know that she feels that way and vocalizes that, it's powerful and it gives you power. Mhm. You know? So then let's step into the imperfect woman then because you've laid the groundwork of an experience that has been perfectly imperfect. <laughs> and yeah you birthed this idea of the imperfect woman. Let's talk a little bit about that. With just everything that went on in 2019, having my son, my parents divorcing and feeling that kind of hurt from my father um, and not feeling like he truly understood the hurt that, you know, he was thinking it's, it, oh, it's just your mom, but it's not. When, when something happens like that, it's something that's going to affect everyone. And so for me, as my father, It was a thing of like, you're supposed to be the man that's here for me all the time. But God, I feel like 100% gave me my husband in in that sense to help with that. So the Imperfect Woman 100% came out of feeling like I had been through a series of things in my life that were somewhat traumatic, (laughs) right? That were difficult, but created and crafted this woman who was embracing the imperfections of it all. And that, that literally is me as a whole person. Like, I'm a very open, honest, and transparent person. Have always been that way because I know that real healing, real positivity, real connection comes from people being honest and transparent and not trying to save face. So I felt like I could 100% embody that because that was me. So why do you think women avoid these imperfections? You know, because I know you have a following of women and women you interact with. And so I'm curious if you get insight into that why they avoid that when it's a part of the healing? I think a lot of times people don't want to deal with their like the healing because the healing hurts. Like I feel like, and I had this conversation even this week about how the thought process is that we drop everything that doesn't serve us. And I had this whole conversation on my stories about that. It takes a lot of 
self-reflection that some people don't want to do. It takes a lot of individual purging of negative things that you may be mm-hmm. doing to contribute to a problem. And people are so quick to um, deflect in terms of like, okay, this is what they did to me. So this is my reaction. And I don't like how this person moves. So this is how I'm going to react when you as a person are 100% responsible for your own actions. Um, I'm not going to allow anyone to get me out of the character of who I am because of something they do. And I think that's where us as women in general, we feel the need to be perfect because that's how society expects us to be, right? Cook clean, be a great wife, be real cute and be able to work out, you know, um, be everything to everybody. And it's like, okay, with that expectation that you feel like you have to be, where does the self-reflection come to be able to say, I can't do this anymore. This is enough. So how do you self-reflect? What do you do? What are some of your practices? So for me, praying is a big one. God will tell me about myself. (laughs) He doesn't play any games with me, first of all. And I have a partner who will tell me about myself. And I'm thankful for that. Because sometimes, you know, as women, we don't want to be told some things. But you need people in your life that are going to be accountable for you. And you also need to be real with yourself. You've got to be real with yourself. I'm a person who very much can be honest and be real with myself be like, Chris, okay, that wasn't necessary. You're you're doing a bit much, you know, (laughs) and to be able to say, okay, like, come, calm down a little bit, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but respectfully, I think you need people that are going to be respectful about it. And I think a lot of times we have people that are in our circles that are maybe low key haters, maybe low key wanting to see us fail, And they're not going to be as constructive as you need them to be because there is some type of, you know, issue in the background with, you know, you in general. Mm. So how is this then when you think about having girlfriends, like Mm -hmm. women in your life, whether they've been there for you or whether they're new, Mm -hmm. how does that work in that regard? Because it can get tricky Mm -hmm. with other women. Yeah. So how do you handle that? I'm, I have to be honest from up front, like even, and I'm accepting of other people in their processes. I think that's the other thing. I think we're in an age where people don't want to be able to have conversations with people of different opinions, but I feel like that's 100% healthy. And so people who have different opinions from me, I listen to them. I respect their opinion and I keep it moving. So with my girlfriends, all of my friends don't have the same thought process. Some of my friends are single. And so obviously those conversations are a lot different, but it doesn't make that relationship any less valuable. Same thing with my friends who are mothers, but I should be able, if we say we're friends though, like I'm gonna just be real. If we say we're friends, I should be able to come and talk to you and be straight up. It shouldn't have to be, oh, well, I have to do this and that in order for you to understand what I'm saying. And you have to know where that person is coming from. I'm always going to come from a place of love because I want to see you win. You know, and so catching those vibes from from the jump, seeing what those people are doing in their own personal lives and how they're able to take care of the people around them, take care of themselves is usually a big indicator, too, as to how good that friendship is. My The friends that I'm usually the closest with are women who are very much accepting of other people's thought processes as well. Not very closed off people. So do you find that your friends come to you to kind of have these conversations because you have these experiences and you're free and open to talk about them? To an extent. um, And I feel like it's based off of whatever situation they're going through. So I think, especially in a marriage, we have an accountability couple that we talk to that helps us. And so when they're going through things, she comes to me and asks me things. Um, Me and my single friends, we have, both of us have had situations a lot of times with our fathers. So we talk about that. So 
we typically tend to gravitate towards similarities in our situations, you know, based off of whatever that may be at the point. Okay. That, yeah, that makes a lot of sense then. So let's talk about showing up mm-hmm. in all of these different spaces that you occupy, mother, wife, educator, friend, Christian, How do you show up for yourself? What is it the thing that kind of, I guess, gets triggered when you know you are stepping boldly in those spaces? Yeah, that's hard. And I literally, me and my husband were just talking about this. I think for me, the big thing is knowing that I believe in myself. I wholeheartedly believe in the imperfect woman. I wholeheartedly believe in who I am as a person. And I 100% am content and happy with the person that I am exuding in in like these social spaces. I think sometimes people aren't as confident or aren't feeling the support and love because they aren't fully confident in that. Um, it's very important to really know who you are, know where you stand and be able to, you know, explicitly respond to people based off of your stance um, and not trying to dim that light because you're afraid of what some people may think about it, because that's where you, that's where your community is. Right. Your community is going to love and accept you for who you are, regardless. So standing boldly in that and, and honestly being in love with who you are. And I am in love with Carissa. Yes, that, so. that's a good one. And, and I mean, how long have you known that you you love yourself? You know, because I think for women, black women, I would say, especially in this society, you know, we're always thrown these images and these thoughts and ideas that would have us believe that we shouldn't love ourselves. Mm -hmm. When did you know? And when did you, when were you able to actually proclaim that? That's a, honestly, that's a really difficult question to ask because I really don't know if I ever, like if it was like an aha moment or not, but what I will say is that it, it it was very apparent when I met my husband because Mm -hmm. there were certain things that I just knew I wasn't going to deal with. And I think it takes a woman to say like, okay, I don't, I want to be with somebody, but I, I want to, you know, I have to accept this and that and the fourth thing you don't, Mm -hmm. you you don't. And like I said, watching my mother go through things, I was just like, um, no, (laughs) there are certain things I'm just not going to do. And I think that takes a lot of self-love. So if that meant me being single to I was whenever, that's what it meant. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I I was not budging on that. And uh, for me, luckily, um, God actually told me my husband was my husband. So there wasn't very much guesswork there, but (laughs) in, you know, in general, it's just a thing of you have to be comfortable with you and, and spending that time with yourself. And so luckily my mom is very much a, a, a very educated, unique woman in which even though she struggled with her relationship with my father, she always told me to believe in me and she always lifted me up. And I think that also helped me to get to the point where I'm like, okay, Chris is bomb <laughs> and, and knowing that and walking in that. So that's good. Real good. So what experience in your life has been your greatest teacher? Mm, wow. Hmm. I've got one for you. (laughs) So my husband and I met in 2013 and he proposed the year after in September. So September is symbolic, I swear. And when I when I told my parents, they weren't very happy about it. They were not initially supportive of the marriage. But knowing that God had 
told me that this was going to be my husband and feeling so strong that this is what I should have done. It's sometimes that's scary. We've had we had arguments about it. We had, you know, big fusses about it that, you know, really made me question God. You know what I'm saying? And I I think the biggest teacher for me was knowing that I can't always please people. But if I feel that in my heart, this is what I should be doing, go with that. And I'm so thankful I did. We got married anyway. (laughs) Been the best, one of the biggest blessings in my life. But if I hadn't listened to what God told me and did what people wanted to do because of their lack of thought process in terms of what God was doing for me, not for you, that could have literally cost me the healthy relationship I have with my husband and also my my son. Wow. That, that's a great lesson and a huge blessing. Mm-hmm. Good for you. Good for you. So hi, I'm Caressa Walker, and I am Disrupting Balance by empowering women to live abundantly through their imperfections to create their own version of a perfect life. Thank you for listening to Disrupting Balance. To learn more about how I'm in Disrupting Balance, follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at Disrupting Balance. You can also check out my website at www.disruptingbalance.com to get podcast updates and news from the Balance Disruptor community about how you can become your very own master in balancepreneur. Talk soon.